What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Good evening, everybody. This is Betsy Wurzel, host of Chatting with Betsy on Passionate World Talk Radio. It is Saturday night. I like to, I always wanted to say this, live from New Jersey. It's Saturday night with Betsy Wurzel. And I want to thank Jeannie White, being a producer, and I want to thank Lillian Caldwell. I always forget to thank Lillian. Lillian Caldwell is the owner of the station, and God bless Lillian for starting the station and letting many people have a voice. We are at the end of this month, which I cannot believe, and this is the last day of, North, of National Alzheimer's Awareness Month, and it should continue every day through every month of the year. Also, National Caregivers Day um, was this month, and this is also National Caregivers Month. We should honor caregivers every day and every month because they deserve it. With me today is a special guest who is a caregiver for her dad. I'm so excited to have Erica Hess on to talk about Lewy body disease. Welcome, Erica. Thank you for coming on with me today, tonight. Well, thank you for <laughs> I having me. Time. I greatly appreciate it. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're welcome. I'm so happy that you are willing to talk about Lewy body disease because people always complain, oh, you know, all we hear about is Alzheimer's. Why don't we hear about Lewy body or vascular dementia or frontal temporal lobe? Well, I want to tell people why because no one wants to come on and talk about it. So <laughs> thank you. know, so thanks to Helen Jensen who came on and now you're coming on. I so appreciate it. And I want to encourage people who are listening, if your loved one or if you were diagnosed with Lewy body, vascular dementia, frontal temporal lobe, or whatever dementia, please feel comfortable to contact me if you want to be a guest on my show, Chatting with Betsy, and talk about your loved one's dementia or if you have it yourself. So tell me, Erica. What did you want people to know about your story? Your dad had Louis body. My dad did have Louis body. Um, he was a nurse from as far back as I can remember. Um, I remember the first time that he had symptoms of it. He was outside. My mom had just had knee surgery, and he was outside in December in nothing but a T-shirt and pants, no socks, no jacket, and he kept saying, I want to go home. And it was confusing because he was home. Um, they initially tried to say that he had schizophrenia. The man was 69 years old. Pretty sure if it was schizophrenia, they would have caught it before then. Um, we went to all kinds of doctors, psychiatrists, neurologists, 
his neurologist didn't know. They tried to say he had pancreatic cancer. I Googled everything trying to figure out why he was having these symptoms. We thought it could have been from Lyme disease because he did have a tick bite in the past. Um, I exhausted everything. And I talked to one of the vets that I was working with at the time because I was working at a vet's office. And she said that they had taken her dad to a geriatrician, which I've never heard of before. Um, Basically, obviously, it's like a pediatrician, but for older people. Um, Called and made the appointment. Of course, my mom's like, just find out the information. Don't make an appointment. I made the appointment. So we ended up taking my dad there, and within 15 minutes, the guy, daughter, amazing daughter, was like, he's got Lewy body dementia. Don't Google it. Of course, I Googled it. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, you can't help but Google it. Um, That's what I would he, do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just basically told us, he's like, it, it, it's it's a death sentence. There is no cure for Lewy body dementia, and it is the most misdiagnosed dementia that there is. I think in the Very past... Very interesting. Yep, in the past year or two... Mm-hmm they have found out that 1.2 million Americans alone have Lewy body dementia. Wow. Thank you for saying that, Erica, because I really, I mean, I've heard of Lewy body. I'm not, you know, knowledgeable about it like I should be, but I didn't realize that it was that huge. It is. Wow. Um, the only way to find out for sure if your loved one has Lewy body dementia, and I see this in, like, a lot of the Facebook groups all the time. They're like, they can get CAT scans and MRIs and all this stuff, and it's not true. With Lewy body dementia, the only true test is an autopsy. They have to check the brain to see there's actually um, Lewy bodies that start usually at the base of the brain, and... That's what there's a gentleman many, many years ago um, whose last name was Louie, and that's where it came from because he was the first one diagnosed with it. And how long ago is that? Do you know, Erica? I honestly don't. I remember looking it up. It was at least about 40, 50 years ago. Oh, okay, because I know Alzheimer's you know, is named after uh, someone with the last name of Alzheimer's, and Alzheimer's is... I believe 113 years old. Yeah. So, yeah. So, again, another dementia, no cure, just like with Alzheimer's, no cure, which is very sad. And Louis body can start in their 40s. Is that correct? Do you know? Yes, it is. Um, It's kind of like early onset Alzheimer's, which... Lewy body dementia obviously is blanketed under Alzheimer's, but it's actually a combination of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease together. Wow. Very um, interesting. With Matt, he was tested for Parkinson's because mm-hmm. he was having the tremors. And if you were to look at him before his decline that he just had, he looks like a Parkinson's. Um, right patient but he doesn't have it so that's interesting and very interesting that robin williams had louis body and that really i think put some attention on it because you know once a celebrity gets diagnosed with something it gets noticed of course 
Yeah, and that, it, it kind of upsets me, though, that it's like that. And it upsets yeah. me a lot, too, when, like, I see all kinds of people sharing his picture, talking about this is the face of, de- the, the face of depression, suicide, blah, blah, blah. I understand he was depressed and he did commit suicide, but they need to know that the reason he did was because he had Lewy body dementia. He knew there was no cure and his hallucinations were starting to get to him. And so it just, that's a good point. It bothers Mm -hmm. me to see that they only focus on the depression and the suicide. They don't focus on the reason behind why he was depressed and why he wanted to kill himself. You're right. And I think it's because the stigma of a dementia. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to talk about dementias. And I don't care which one it is. They don't want to talk about it. People think it's, I don't know, maybe they think it's contagious or it reminds yeah. them of their own uh, mortality. Like, well, if Robin Williams could get it, then I could get it. Yep. <laughs> so therefore, and so many people think I, that know. it's an older person disease, and it's not. It can mm-hmm. affect anybody. <laughs> yes, same thing with Alzheimer's. I was so shocked. Well, I shouldn't be shocked because people are very ignorant. My younger brother said to me a couple of months ago, "Well, why would they think Matt had Alzheimer's? It's an old person's disease." Well, I just about wanted to jump out into the phone and wring his neck. Don't you read anything on my page? Um, And this is why, um, Erica, we need to speak up and we need to be advocates because we bang the drum a lot. And I feel like sometimes people don't listen, but they're going to start listening because it can happen to anyone, anybody. And um, your dad was 69, you said, when he was when starting the symptoms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do, um, do you think he showed prior to that for maybe a year or two? I think it was even before that. Um, and we would joke about this before we found out. And a lot of stuff that happened in the past, kind of makes sense now. Um, my sisters and my mom were also my dad's caregivers, so it was like we had this huge team effort. If it wasn't for the entire team, I don't think he would, he would have lasted as long as he did, but there was one incident I remember. He had put an ice cream sandwich in his pocket, his shirt pocket. He always wore the nice dress shirt. We searched that entire house for an hour looking for that ice cream sandwich. It was in his pocket the whole time. And we laughed about it, but then now that we remember these things, it's like I wonder if that could have been one of the first signs of the Lewy body dementia. Yes, I, I understand that because I saw some signs with Matt. And even though Matt had early onset, sometimes we don't think of these things. It just doesn't dawn on us. We make excuses. You know, oh, well, like in Matt's case, oh, he was always forgetful, but he was getting more forgetful. Right. Did your father, was he driving when he was starting to show the signs and getting lost or trouble with directions? 
Definitely. Um, he ended up having, obviously, to quit work. He was working at Duke. Um, he was doing clinical research for them, and he would have trouble getting home. He had to have his GPS tell him how to get home. And it just got to the point where finally we had to tell him he couldn't drive anymore because he went with me one day to get his hair cut. <clears throat> and uh, he's like, well, I'm going to go ahead and head home. I was like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I'm sure. Like an hour later, my mom's like, where's your dad? And I was like, he's not home. And she's like, no. So, of course, I started panicking and called his cell phone. He wouldn't answer, called his cell phone, wouldn't answer. And it was about 20 minutes later, he finally answered. He's like, I just stopped at the store. He's like, I know I, the GPS is telling me how to get home, but I had to stop at the store. He didn't remember why he had to stop at the store, but he just knew he had to stop at the store before he went home. But it took him an hour to get there, which would have taken him 10 minutes. Wow. Now, your father was working and stopped. Did his employer contact your mom and say, you know, we think there might be something amiss with your husband? No. Did, or any coworkers? No, nope, never. He would travel. Um, and that, this was before with a diagnosis, too, and we just laughed about it at the time because my dad was a very serious person, but he would have his moments where he would joke and he would laugh it off and we would just, you know, go about our day. But he he was on, like, the 8th or 10th floor and he was out of town and he said that he saw a group of ladies sitting down below and the next morning when I got up they were still there but it was chairs it wasn't women but he was actually seeing women down there in those chairs and we just saw him you know oh you know he was just seeing the chairs and he thought they were women no he was actually seeing women and if I could tell you how this all started um sure with Louis, with Louis body dementia, they say a lot of times a traumatic event will initiate the disease progress. Um, he had to have corneal transplants. And my dad, being a nurse, thought he was tough. And he was scared out of his mind. So he had his first corneal transplant done. Uh, about three or four months later, he had his second one done. And my almost my entire family is in the medical field. And we would... Every day, we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details joke you know we've heard stories about when you get a corneal transplant since it's somebody else's corneas you would see what that person used to see type thing and he started telling us that there was a little girl at the mailbox holding a box and I'm like dad stop that's not funny and I didn't know at the time he was really seeing that 
and they're speculating, but they can't say for sure because this was the most traumatic event that had happened to him was the corneal transplant could have initiated the start of the disease. Wow. Was your dad a veteran by any chance? He was in the Air Force for a couple of years. Was he in Vietnam? No, he was an only child, so they didn't send him. Oh, okay. I always ask that because your dad was 69 when he was um, starting or, you know, was diagnosed that maybe that could have um, contributed to it because there's many people that I've met whose husbands had early onset and they were exposed to the elements, you know, in Vietnam, Agent Orange and whatever else (laughs) went on there. Um, Please continue. I'm so interested in your dad's story. (laughs) Well, when we first got the diagnosis, um, his psychiatrist had him on Abilify, which Lewy Body has very specific medications that they cannot have because it could be detrimental to their health. So once we got the diagnosis, um, he started to decline very quickly. I thought within the first six to eight months he was going to go ahead and pass away. And my sister, who lived with my parents, who was like the main caregiver there, was taking care of him, was trying to find out things. My sister, who lives in Colorado, was Googling Louis Body Dementia Specialist in the area, trying to get him in. There is one at UNC. Um, he was amazing, and his nurse practitioner has, was amazing the whole time. Um, so she was doing her part there. And then me being a pharmacy technician, I was looking at the medication standpoint. And I was looking at, there's a Louis Body Dementia page, it's lbda.org, that tells you a good register to try, what not to give them, stuff like that. So we contacted the doctor and got him started on Seroquel and Aricept. And after about four or five months, I looked at him one day, I was like, you look like you're doing better, Daddy. And he looks at me, he's like, it's just like a light bulb just all of a sudden turned on. He's like, I feel like myself again. And for about a good year, we had our Daddy back. And it was the most amazing thing ever how these medications that you wouldn't normally think to put together gave us a good year with him. And that just goes to show that medications are trial and error and Mm -hmm. different medications work differently uh, with each individual. Because Matt was misdiagnosed with depression and they put him on... Provigil? Something with a P. I forgot exactly. This is 10 years ago. And that didn't help. And then they tried something for to keep his um, focus. So something for attention deficit. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that didn't help either because that wasn't the problem. And I found that Matt was more depressed on antidepressants. Um, but to me, this is my own opinion, I think people who have any type of dementia would be somewhat depressed because they can't function like they used to. I mean, I would be right. depressed. Yeah. I think, that, you know, that's quite normal. Well, we we <laughs> didn't have my dad on Zoloft because him being a nurse, when he was lucid enough, he knew what was happening. And 
one of the biggest fears that I always remember growing up hearing was my dad was scared to die. Um, obviously, everybody does, you know, they, we each have our own fear of death, whether we want to right. admit it or not. But his dad passed away in his sleep from cancer. And so his biggest fear was going to sleep and passing away. And I remember I'd wake up in the middle of the night to go get a drink of water. He'd be asleep on the couch, on the floor, just wherever he fell asleep watching TV because he was scared. So when he got towards the end of his disease, he would have lucid moments where he would cry to my mom and tell her he's scared. And it it broke my heart, obviously, because that's my daddy. But he is was, sorry, the strongest person I ever knew. And to see him like that is just beyond devastating. Heartbreaking. Yes, very heartbreaking. Right. And it just definitely it, it understand too how many people stop coming around and stop being there. <laughs> yeah. Too. Thank you, Google. <laughs> Absolutely. I want the listeners to hear that again, Erica. People stop coming around. Why do you think that is, Erica? I don't I honestly I, I wish I knew. I think a lot of it is fear of seeing the person they knew in a different light. And part of it is that they don't want the burden. They don't want to have to come around and see what we were struggling with and have to worry about it and have to deal with it at all. I think it's more of an out of sight, out of mind for people. Yes, and I also think, because I just had this happen to me yesterday, uh, a friend of mine stopped communicating with me as much as they did because they told me they didn't know what to say. Yeah. They know I'm having a tough time. I mean, don't you just want to smack some people? <laughs> I mean, I, just, um, I got some humor in here. Either. Like That's all we ask uh, for is just simply be there. You don't have to talk to us right. every day. You don't have to check on us every day, but be there if we need you to be there for us. Exactly. I mean, I feel this way, Erica. Just give us an ear to hear us. Don't judge us. We know you can't fix our problem. We can't fix it. We're not asking you to fix it. Give us a shoulder to lean on and two arms to give us a hug. If you're physically near us. That's what caregivers want. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can even, an individual can even send a a, um, GIF, you know, or an emoji, thinking of you, sending love and hugs, something. Thinking of you today, you know, we know you're having a hard time, just to let you know that they care. And I don't know about, you know, how you felt when, when you were going through it, but I feel, you know what, if you can't even do that as a friend, then you're not a friend, and I have no energy for you. I fully agree. I mean, that's just how I feel. If it wasn't for my sisters and my mom and my sister's spouses and their kids, if we didn't have each other to lean on, we wouldn't have had anybody because there was nobody there. Exactly. 
And this is, and I want the listeners to, to really hear this, folks. Family and friends desert us. We don't deserve that as caregivers because a person has dementia. You know, they say when someone has cancer, people flock. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. I don't know. But dementia, they scatter. I say scatter like cockroaches because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the fear. I think it's fear, Erica, fear of what do I say? What do I do? Um, what do I say to the person who has it? What do I say to their loved one? Well, just be yourself. Just be there and be yourself and make us, try and make us laugh or smile. You know, it's not yeah. rocket science. Yeah. <laughs> I know I got a little sarcastic, but <laughs> I've been doing this, for, <laughs> I've been doing this for way too long. And I see yeah. how people just, and, and groups, and hearing the same story over and over that friends and family abandoned them. Now, of course, there's some sometimes uh, reasons for it. And if a family was dysfunctional before any type of disease, they will continue to be dysfunctional. But sometimes you just have to let the past be the past and get over it and focus on the loved one mm-hmm. and that's really what's important how long did your dad have Louis body from diagnosis to death was three years three years three oh years. and everyone's different yeah everyone's different and I see people who have had it and there's one person who I admire, who I do follow on Facebook, and he's been battling it for a couple years. Um, but, I mean, I've seen people go the normal span of it, depending on the case um, and the severity normally, is between two and eight years. And if it's caught early enough with the right treatment of, as far as medications, can be up to 10 to 12 years. Wow. Now, with Louis body, do they have trouble with swallowing and forgetting how to swallow and do things just like someone with Alzheimer's? No. So, and I guess everybody's different. Um, my dad's main thing was the hallucinations. He would, he still thought he was a nurse. And so in many of the pictures I have of him, during the time he was sick, he would have his hands out and he would constantly be picking stuff off of his hands, which he would say he's got sutures wrapped around his hands from when he was a nurse and he would do sutures. So he would constantly be trying to pick them off. And there was one point where I was working with my dad um, as a clinical research associate. And so when I'd come in from work with my scrubs on, he knew me as Erica from work, not Erica, his daughter. And he would start telling me what we needed to do with this patient, what we need to do with that patient, and stuff like that. So his main thing was the hallucinations. He would talk to a blanket that was on the couch. To him, that was somebody. And he would call for a dog that wasn't there. Um, And the Parkinsonism didn't even really come into play until the last couple weeks, maybe to a month of his life. Um, And that's where his 
the the start of the end had started, he would drop everything. He couldn't hold his cup. He would drop his cup. He would drop his fork. We bought him a sippy cup to see if he could drink that way. Um, it got to the point where he would go to stand up, and his it's like his entire body just went limp, and he would just fall. And my nephews, my niece, my sisters, you know, like I said, if it wasn't for them, I don't know what would have happened because they all stepped up and helped out so much. Um, the About a week or so before he passed away, um, he had gotten up to go to the bathroom and he fell and hit his head on the corner of the sink in the bathroom. And my sister was visiting from Colorado and she said it was, he hit his head so hard you could hear it echo. Um, and he started calling for my mom. So he was taken to the ER and they wouldn't let any of us go back with him to get a CAT scan, which this hospital, I don't like them anyways. I have my own dealings with them. I didn't like them to begin with. But, you know, we could have at least walked back until he got to the CAT scan room. So he became combative. I remember hearing him page because he was trying to thrash around. Um, they brought him back to the room, didn't even get the CAT scan done. We brought him home. He kept saying he was in pain, so I had to call his nurse practitioner who was at the Louis Body Dementia Clinic, and she said that it was time to call in hospice, which that was like one of the hardest calls to make. And I remember I have a picture of me kissing him on his temple, and he has a... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Head down, and I remember posting the picture saying, hospice doesn't mean the end. Because it doesn't. It doesn't always necessarily mean the end. I mean, people go in hospice and out of hospice all the time. But they think, and I can't say for sure, but they think that the hospital missed the brain bleed because they didn't do the CAT scan, and then he developed pneumonia. Um, on December 15th of 2017, around 3.30 in the morning, my mom had gotten up to go to the bathroom, and she noticed that my dad's breathing had slowed down a little bit and changed because he wasn't doing the death rattle that they call it and so she she just sat with him and held his hand and he took his last breath peacefully just him and her which is how he would have wanted it to be um six months shy of their 50th wedding anniversary um that's and six months shy of their 50th, 50th that's what yep. you said right yes ma'am yeah my dad died three months before the, my parents' 60th. He died in July, and they would have been married 60 years that 
September, my dad mm-hmm. had dementia. Um, not sure. He probably had a mixture of vascular and Alzheimer's. And it is, you know, a very, as you know, a devastating disease, any type of dementia. Is there anything of, um, did you want to impress on the listeners as to what to look for with someone with Louis body? Because I could tell, you know, people about what to look for at Alzheimer's. Is it different with Louis body? Do you know? The, with Louis body, I think, and from what I've seen and from what I've heard, um, is more exhaustion. Um, they will have what they call Louis days where Louis body will just completely wear their body down. Um, and hallucinations is one of the main things because it does attack the brainstem first. So it, the main thing is, like I said, hallucinations don't take into the neurologist because nine times out of ten the neurologist is not going to know what they're talking about. Find a geriatrician. That is the one thing. It doesn't matter who I'm talking to about what kind of dementia it is. When I'm on Facebook all the time, I have people that I meet out in public, and they're like, oh, I think my mom has this, or I think my dad has this. And I'm always saying, find a geriatrician because they're going to be the best ones to guide you as to if it is dementia and if it is what kind of dementia they think they have. Because a simple neurologist is not going to know unless they specialize in it. So that's the one thing that I can, it doesn't matter what dementia it is, whether it's Louis body or not, find a geriatrician. There's one in every state in almost every town. And how old do you have to be to go to one? Is there an age? Not a particular really. Age um, that you the one go? that we saw, he saw 50 and up. Oh, okay. That's, I never took a mat to one. He didn't like going to doctors to begin with. Um, yeah, my dad didn't either. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> so he didn't want to go to one. It's very frustrating, and I'm sure you and your family felt very frustrated. And being, first of all, to be believed that there was a problem and, and to convince the doctors there's a problem here. Right. Did you find that as of frustrating? Like, hey, doctors, there's a problem here, not just depression. Right. Every doctor we went to, I was pissed. <laughs> I was pissed. Like, it's kind of like if you go to the doctor yourself, it's like you know your body, you know yourself. Well, we knew my dad. We knew that something was wrong, and it wasn't schizophrenia. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of schizophrenia, obviously, all of a sudden popping up in somebody of 69 years old. It doesn't make sense to me. And it just, like, if if you take your loved one to a daughter and they just try to blow you off, just keep pushing. Don't let them make you feel like you're crazy. Don't make them, let them make you feel like you don't know what you're talking about. You need to just keep just pushing and pushing and pushing and find a doctor that will listen to you. Because they're out to make a dollar, and that's mainly what they care about, in my opinion. That's true. Oh, I love you, Erica. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. That's, I love people who speak their truth. 
I love it. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sorry that you, you know, obviously I'm very sorry about your dad, but I'm so glad that you are comfortable in speaking the truth because we're not the only ones, Erica. Your dad wasn't the only one not believed. Matt wasn't the only one not believed. I mean, I've heard story after story of people not being believed that there was a problem. Then they'll make you think that you're the crazy one when, exactly. when you're not. Um, I wish I knew 10 years ago what I know now. I didn't really know about early onset. And the only reason why I suspected Alzheimer's with Matt (laughs) is because I ran in his family, but they had it later in life. And for Mm -hmm. some reason, I had intuition he was going to get it young. Now, does anyone else in your family, did they have Lewy body? Is it hereditary? So Lewy body is not hereditary, but... Okay. Going back in my family history, as far as my dad's side, there has not been one case of dementia at all in any of my family members. Very interesting. Now, was your dad healthy other than the cornea transplant? Was he a healthy man? Yeah, he was. Like, being a nurse, he didn't want to go to the doctor. He thought he knew it all. Most nurses, I love y'all. Don't get me wrong. Y'all are awesome, but most nurses think that they know what they're talking about when it comes to their own health, which they do, but you still need to go to the doctor. And luckily, I'd found one that my dad liked. He was in the Army um, previously, so my dad did like him, and he started going to him, and he was healthy as an ox. And that's that's one thing. (laughs) Obviously, losing my dad absolutely killed me, but the one thing that did help is he still looked like himself. He didn't lose a ton of weight. He didn't wither away. He didn't, I don't know how, I don't know how to put it besides, he just looked like he was sleeping. He looked like he was taking a nap and that was it because Louis body dementia doesn't wear the body down a lot like other diseases do. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Because with Alzheimer's, you can't even believe the change if you put a before and after picture. It's just that devastating. Does the Lewy body dementia patients have like that look, like people with Alzheimer's, we say have that look to them, that they're not there? Yes. Did you find that? The blank stare. Yeah, the blank stare. Yeah. Um, glad I asked you if your dad was healthy because, as you know, Erica, people think, oh, I'm healthy, I exercise, I eat right, so therefore I'm not going to get any type of dementia. And healthy people do get dementia. I want the world to know this. Mm, they do. And I'm going to Now, I'm going to repeat it again to the world. Healthy people can get dementia. You are not immune to this horrible disease. Matt was healthy. He was, other than his brain, he was healthy. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we had other scares. He thought he was, had a heart attack. We thought he had prostate cancer. And this just, even though I had intuition, it just blindsided me at the age of 56. And they did say yeah. things at work, but they weren't allowed to tell me anything. Now, did your dad go out on disability first? No. He just left. <coughs> he just left. It just, yeah, it just got to the mm-hmm. point. And it, it's hard to remember that because they were... It wasn't that they were seeing signs of anything like that. They just weren't happy with his performance anymore because he wasn't able to do his job as quick and as efficient as he was before. So that's that's what their issue was with that. And I can tell you, there were there were so many people who knew my dad, who loved him before he got sick. But the the day that funeral happened, there was nobody. There was immediate family, and there was maybe, I can count on one hand how many people showed up to my dad's funeral here in North Carolina. And then we flew him to Pennsylvania to be buried, and the only ones that showed up there was immediate family. But as soon as he was buried, the obit was, you know, out, and people were allowed to leave messages on there. And it's like, I'm so sorry for your loss. I wish there would have could have been more I could have done. We're here if you need us. Where were you before? Where were you at his funeral? Why couldn't you just come and say your final goodbye? And that pissed me off the most. The people who supposedly loved us and cared about us and wanted to be there for us couldn't stand by our side as we said goodbye to our dad and my mom said goodbye to her husband. And that's one thing that I want to stress, too, is Mm -hmm. even if you're not a caregiver, if you know somebody who's dealing with somebody with dementia, Lewy body, Alzheimer's, just be there for them. Like, I was so hurt. I have completely cut myself off from just about everybody. Like, I don't talk to people like I used to. And I'll be honest, my depression is severe, and it's taken me since December of 2017 to now to grieve. I am just now letting my emotions show. I break down every day. Like the slightest little thing, I can hear a song, I can think of a memory, I smell his cologne, the slightest little thing, and I break down because I hid my emotions. I try to be the strong one, and I just would not let myself feel the loss. And that's another thing that I want to push to is grieve in your own time. Don't let anybody tell you the appropriate time for you to grieve because it's going to happen in your own time, whether it's the next day the next month or years later, you need to do it in your own time, but don't hold it in. Thanks. Thank you, Erica. I tell people that that's so true. I mean, I'm on a, a roller coaster now, you know, with Matt at the end stage. And I just put him on hospice yesterday. And, you know, Matt's had this for 10 years. So I've really been having all different types of grieving for 10 years. And it's tough. And it's hard on Josh, our son, who's 35. And Josh Mm -hmm. is really getting hit hard now. And I tell my son, Josh, it's okay to cry. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to to mourn. 
I wish people would stop telling people to be strong. What is that? What is that supposed yeah. to mean? You know, we are strong. I'll tell you why. You have to be strong to be a caregiver. <laughs> you have mm-hmm. got to be strong. And if you're not, you will end up being strong. You cannot tell someone who has watched someone suffer for I've been, depending on the the stage, you know, and how many years because everyone's different to be strong because that is the problem. I say, just like what you said, Erica, embrace your feel, your feelings or it's going to come back and bite you in the butt. Acknowledge your feelings. Acknowledge your grief. Cry if you want to. You do not have to be strong. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Screw people who tell you that you have to be strong. No, you don't. And let it out because... It will hurt your body. You know, we were just, uh, I was talking to somebody about depression with caregivers. And I know I've, I've done a talk about that. Depression is real, folks. Depression is real with caregivers. That's why I say love up on a caregiver. And you know what I'm going to say right here and now, Erica, and I said this before, and I don't care if people get offended, shame on the family and friends of caregivers who don't step up to the plate and show any kind of love or concern. Shame on them. Let's put the guilt on them. They try to put guilt on us. Let's put the guilt on them. Shame on them for abandoning when we need them the most. Yep. And I could tell you, because my sister and my mom, obviously, and my brother-in-law, they were the main caregivers because they lived with my dad. <laughs> I'm a single mom, so I had to work, Um, but I was obviously over there every second I had, but, and I, and I did, I did put my emotions aside because I didn't want to be there for my sister and my mom because they, they were firsthand right there day and night with my dad. And I, I try to give my sister the credit she deserves because she didn't have to step up and stay there at my parents' house and help out as much as she did and just to see how besides her husband how isolated she was from people who were supposed to be her friends like that hurt me even though they weren't my friends and I hated seeing her go through that and she's gone through her bouts of depression and I mean we all have but I and I will be honest like about six months after my dad passed away there was you know it all came crashing down and I committed myself because I was scared as to what I would have done to myself because I just wanted to be with my dad. I didn't want to be here anymore. I wanted to be with my dad. And that's so common, Erica. And that was very brave. I'm going to start crying. Very brave of you to say that you know because I tell people, <laughs> I tell people, you know what? Suicide rate, and you know, I will talk about the taboo and I don't care what people say. Suicide rate. Is high among caregivers. And you're not the first person who told me this. I myself had suicidal thoughts. 
a couple of years ago. I was thinking about how the railroad tracks would feel in the cold versus the hot. I could never leave my family because I didn't want to face what was going to happen. This is common, folks. And caregivers and whoever else, you don't even have to be a caregiver, if you are depressed, if you have suicidal thoughts, please, please go for help. There's no shame in it. Yes, society puts a stigma on it. There is no shame to say, I need help. And when you go through this as a caregiver, it is depressing. I mean, it is emotional roller coaster, and it just takes you down on all levels, all levels. And, Erica, you are so brave. I want to thank you so much. <laughs> it's no problem. I mean, I've gotten, I've said it many times, and I've said it even, you know, in front of customers and stuff like that. I committed myself, but I'm proud of the fact that I was strong enough to know that I needed the help. And I don't want people to feel ashamed, and I don't want people to look at other people the way that I've been looked at when I say I've I've committed myself. It's not a big deal. I went in there because I right. was severely depressed and I wanted to be with my dad and I got the help that I needed and I do get stronger every day but I do want to say one thing too don't mm-hmm. tell people it gets easier that's the one thing that I really hate hearing is from people who have I'm, everybody deals with it differently but people who have lost somebody in the past I always hear oh honey it gets easier I'm going on my third holiday without my dad. It doesn't get easier. For me, it doesn't get easier. It it hurts. It The pain lessens a little bit, but it never gets easier knowing that you don't have your father or your mom or your brother or your sister or your child. It doesn't get easier. That's the one phrase that I don't like is that it gets easier. Very true, Erica. My dad's been gone. I'll be eight years come July. And you feel the hole. I felt when my dad died, I felt such a hole in my heart that I just wanted to go to the cemetery and lay on his grave. You sounded like me. And I would go and talk. I go to the cemetery. I'm very close to the cemetery that my dad is at and talk to him Mm -hmm. uh, whenever I get a chance. I did it this past June. And just... I get it's peaceful to me to go there and talk to him, and I'll start crying. He, my dad, would be so devastated about Matt. He loved Matt, mm-hmm. and um, you know, people don't understand. I I don't like when people say, "Oh, you'll get over it." How do you get over a loss of a parent, a child, a spouse? You don't get over it. That's the thing. You might get through it, but you don't get over it. How can you? I mean, you can move forward, but you can't get over it. Right. You know, people don't want to acknowledge, um, and I'm going to be talking on on my show about death and dying, and people don't want to talk about um, suicide. They don't want to talk about dying and how it feels to lose somebody. And preparing for that. You know, I'm trying to prepare Josh of losing his father. 
I'm trying to prepare of losing my spouse. And it's hard. It's depressing. It is depressing. And it's very difficult. And I told us, you know, we'll get through this and we'll make it through the other side. And we've already talked about grief counseling. And, you know, if he needs to take a medication, um, you know, I will take him. I've talked about, you know, suicide with my son. And I think they need to start doing studies of how dealing with dementia, especially a young child, a teenager, how it affects them long term. Because it, it's hard as an adult. I can't even imagine a young child uh, going through this, a teenager. And that there's nothing wrong with saying, I, I need help. I went for therapy, Erica. I went uh, four years ago. I almost had a nervous breakdown because I thought I had to be the strong superwoman. Mm-hmm. And I had to, you know, have to suck it up. I can't shed a tear. I have to suck it up. Got to be strong. Got to be this. Got to be that. You know what? Screw all that. Yep. Just screw all that because caregivers or whoever else, you can only be but so strong. And it's okay to let the tears come down. It's okay. I find it very cathartic to cry. I really do. I cry every day. Yeah. <laughs> Just especially lately. <coughs> Excuse me. I I do. Um, Eric, I so enjoy talking to you. I loved having you as a guest. Is there any uh, wor- pearls of wisdom you would like to share? <coughs> Excuse me. Well, I know I know you're talking about you know like teenagers and stuff like that, but the younger kids have to be considered too. Um, especially when it comes to losing somebody. My dad was, my ex-husband doesn't, he has nothing to do with our kids. So my dad was like the main man in their life. And they are now 13 and 9. And when my dad passed away, my youngest son went through what they called adjustment disorder. This child would eat everything and anything under the sun. He stopped eating completely. And even now, two years later, he still is scared to eat or drink or play outside or do this because he's scared he's going to die because my dad died. So it, it affects everybody. Younger kids, they usually think, you know, they're too young to think about it. They're too young. They're not because he was seven. My youngest was seven when my dad died, and it's still affecting him. So my thing is look out for everybody in the family. They tell you that you start mourning them before they pass away. It's true, but once mm-hmm. you experience them passing away, it's a whole other level that I can't even explain to somebody. It's a whole, it's a whole other hurt. Like when I cry, I feel this pain in my heart that I've never felt before, and it feels like my heart is physically breaking. And I have heart failure, so that's not a good thing. <laughs> so. Oh my goodness! Yeah. You know, it's not just the older people or the spouses and so that. It's the younger kids that you have to keep an eye out for, too, because they are affected greatly, too, because they're so young. And it's it's the final death and somebody that they love and they care about. And it's so hard to explain to them. Because my youngest son, he even said the other day, he's like, but don't you come back when you die? And I'm like, well, not like I think you're thinking. He's like, 
Well, no, I think Papa came back as a hawk, and that's our thing is whenever I see a hawk, he says there's Papa. And so that's how he associates still remembering my dad. So he thinks that my dad was reincarnated as <coughs> a hawk. So that helps him get through whenever he sees a hawk, but it still affects him every day. And I still have to find another psychiatrist for him, and my older son has this anger built up in him from losing my dad. Well, that is um, something I would like to discuss, children dealing with this on another show, Erica. Yes. I have talked about, you know, children or the casualties, hidden casualties of this disease, of any dementia. It affects young children, and we have to watch out for them, absolutely. And would you love would you, would, you, would you like to come back and discuss that? I would love to have a chat on that. Anytime. Oh, that is so awesome. I can't thank you enough for coming on. Now, can people reach out to you if they of want to discuss um, about, you know, children, Louis Body? Yes. I have my Facebook page if you want to post a link. I have my email address on there. <laughs> If people want to message me on Facebook, sometimes, you know, depending on the situation, I'll give up my cell phone number if they feel better talking one-on-one. And just for you and Josh, if you guys need anything, I will give you my cell phone number for you and Josh to reach out to me because I want to be there for you because I know what you guys are going through right now. Oh, thank you. Don't hang up when I, I won't. press the recording button to shut off. Don't hang up. Okay. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Erica. Folks, if you have someone with Louis body, oh, you're welcome. We had to do this again. Folks, if you have someone with Louis body and you want to reach out to Erica Hess, please do. She would love to help you. If you have any type of dementia yourself or if you are looking to be educated about any kind of dementia, need support, want to be inspired, please join my group, hashtag kick alzheimer's ass movement on facebook you can follow me on my facebook page betsy wurzel w-u-r-z-e-l you can see pictures of my husband and videos and see how much my husband has changed from the beginning of this to the end and i want to thank everyone for listening if there's any topics you would like for me to discuss on chatting with betsy or would like to be my guest, please contact me. And thank you for listening. Folks, be the shining star that you are in someone's life. Shine bright. Look in the mirror and say, I am good enough, and I am doing a good job, and pat yourself on the back. This is Betsy Wurzel and Chatting with Betsy on Patch Your World Talk Radio, Jeannie White, producer. Have a good evening, everybody. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.